Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. We're in a series called Designed By. Last week we looked at that each of us has a purpose. Everybody has like a thumbprint that God has given to you specifically. And that God wants to use those gifts and talents for his glory, to make his name famous in the world we live in. And so many times we kind of miss out on those things. And so the next several weeks, what we're going to be looking at is this concept that every person in this room has a gift, but we have also the option to whether we're going to use those gifts. Gifts. And today, as you've already heard Lindsay say, we're going to talk about saying yes. But I want to say something before I even get knee deep into the message today. How many people were able to make Friday night a part of their Friday night when we were here at uh, a Night to Shine? Raise your hand. What an amazing night that was right there. You guys absolutely, I'm talking about, you killed it. Um, and I had an opportunity to obviously meet uh, kings and queens of all different, our uniquely gifted community. Man, it was such a big thrill for me. Um, I got to spend some time with people that I haven't seen in a while. As a matter of fact, one of the highlights, well, I had a lot of highlights, but uh, in, in, in a matter of fact, I had uh, Allison Gibbs, one of our staff members was standing next to me and Tina Sodner and Justin, our worship pastor, were just in front. And they said, every time they turned around, I was crying. And it was because it was just like to see the smile on, on people's faces. But Honestly, it was as much us recognizing them as they remembered me. And it was several times people asked, like, where's Pastor Bobby at? Where's Pastor Bobby? And so it was really cool. And I got to meet, honestly, I got to meet all kinds of kings and, and queens, but I also got to meet some princes and princesses. Um, I don't know if you guys were there. We had, we had it was amazing. We had also there. Oh, a matter of fact, why don't you, um, this is uh, Princess Bobby, uh, Prince Bobby, not Princess Bobby, Prince Bobby. And, and also that's pretty good. And the next one, my favorite, my favorite is, this is one of my favorites, so um, that's Ariel. Um, as a matter of fact, one of our staff members got hired because of Ariel. I don't know if you, um, I asked uh, Megan um, uh, Pul- Pulliam, I said, I said, like, who's your favorite Disney princess? Because my oldest daughter, this is her girl right here. And um, as a matter of fact, I sent her that picture. She goes, oh, my girl. And so she, I said, what's your favorite princess? And she said, Ariel. I said, hired. Like, come on, let's go right now. Um, but another highlight was the night, like, we had all kinds. We had Olaf here. Olaf was cool. We had um, Beauty and the Beast, and they were they were walking around. And then we had one of my favorites. Anybody like comic strips and all that? So, see, Spider-Man. I can't bend down that far, sorry. But but what was cool about this is I was thinking about, I was, you know, sitting there, we were taking pictures. And anybody, anybody ever watched Spider-Man? Anybody ever see the, okay, so, so a lot of us in this room. There's this part, I think it's in the first one, there's this part where Peter Parker's in the car. And he's having this conversation with his uncle. And, and he's telling him about what it means to be a man. And as you're growing up doing, and, and he says this, and he said, you're feeling the power within you right now. He said, but guess what? With great power comes great responsibility. Great power comes great, great responsibility. And I was thinking about this because in a, in a radio talk show called The American Life, uh, the question, the, the DJ asked the question, and, and I'll ask this question, but the question was this. It was, would you, if you had a superhero strength, if you had something, you could do anything, like if you could be invisible or you could fly, which one would it be? Uh, how many people would say it would be invisible? Invisible. Yeah, see, the same first service is like, eh, it's not me. How about fly? Like it's most of us in this room. And it was interesting because that same question was asked, and the majority of the people said fly. But, but, but the answers that came after that were kind of what made it so unique because they asked, what would you do with that superhero? That, that superhero strength, what would you do with that? And, and it was interesting because the people that said they would be invisible, they would say they would use it to rob a bank. 
The people that could fly, they could steal things faster. And I would think, isn't the whole purpose of having a supernatural strength to do something good? It's, 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 it's to somehow or another create an environment that's better in the community or the world that we live in by using those superhuman strengths. And then, honestly, I was thinking about this all weekend long from Friday on. Then it, then it dawned on me. The Holy Spirit has empowered us with superhuman strengths. And a lot of times we're the same exact way. We don't use them for good. And when the Holy Spirit is, and, and every person, and let's get this straight, every person in this room has supernatural strengths that the Holy Spirit gave you. You're uniquely gifted just the way God made you. But when we don't do them, we do a disservice to the Father, and we don't make the Father famous in the world we live in. Now, I don't know if you caught the scriptures in 1 Peter that Lindsay was reading from. 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. God has given gifts to each of you from his great variety of spiritual growth. And then his last part, manage them well. Do something with those. That means, that means we're, we're held accountable by how we do and what we do with our gifts. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, 7. A spiritual gift is given of each of us so we can help each other. You can see that, 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 that it's for somebody else's good. Matthew 7 says, Ask it and it will be given. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be open. For everyone who asks receives. And the one who finds and the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which one of you, if, uh, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a snake? And verse 11 says, if you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give good gift to those who ask him? God has given us, poured out his gifts. Romans chapter 12 is one of my favorite passages when we talk about gifts. And it says, because of the privilege and the authority. Did y'all catch that? Because of the privilege and authority, it's a privilege that we get God-given gifts. And then there's an authority that we have with it. And it says, God has given me, I give each of you a warning, don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given you. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we belong to each other. Verse six, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for certain things, uh, to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability of prophecy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If you've been given the gift of serving, serve others, serve them well. If you're a teacher, teach well. If your gift is encouragement uh, uh, to others, be encouraging. If If it's giving, give generously. If God has given you a leadership ability, take the responsibility seriously. And if God has given you a gift like showing kindness to others, do it gladly. Do you see that? There's, there's these unique gifts. And I read through this passive scripture and thinking what Lindsay's saying, and there's two things that jump off the page. We should do everything we do for God well. Excellent, as a matter of fact. There should be no half, you know what, in, in God's kingdom. It's funny, this past week, Alan and myself, on Sunday, we did our partnership. It's called On Ramp. And somebody asked the question. I thought the question was brilliant because one of our statements we say is excellence honors God. And we talk about excellence around here all the time. And right away when I say excellence honors God, the first thing that pops in so many people's mind is opulence or spending. And that's not what we're talking about at all. You know what we're talking about? We're talking about whatever we do, we do it to the best of our abilities. If it's preaching, I study hours to present a 30-minute message. Uh, the, 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 the band, I'm telling you, the band was amazing this morning, right? The singers, didn't they do a good job this morning? They didn't just get that music this morning. They've been working on this song, all those songs, all week long, and they're skilled in, in, their, in their craft. That's what excellence means. 
And, and then when we talk about doing our job well, uh, a couple of years ago, we were sitting in the same experience. We we're sitting on our on-ramp and a guy said, um, what can I sign up for? And they said, there's, you know, a plethora of gifts. And he said, you know, like, we'll give you a gift. We'll do a gift assessment. We'll do whatever. He said, no, I'll just sign up for everything. And literally he signed up for everything that we had to do at the church. I mean, like literally everything we could possibly have around here. I mean, he was signing up for, you know, the, 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 the care team. He was signing up for the coffee ministry. He was wanting to do children's ministry, everything. And you know how many of those things he ended up doing? None. None. And so when we talk about what we're trying to do, when we do things well, we're trying to find your sweet spot. That one or two areas that you really, really excel in, that you can give God glory in everything that you do. So when we talk about these passages of gifts, uh, these passages about gifts, we're talking about doing these things well. The second thing is we have a responsibility to identify our abilities and say yes to those things. Rick Warren says it like this. The abilities that you do, uh, that you do have are strong indication of what God wants you to do with your life. There are clues to knowing God's will for you. God doesn't waste abilities. He matches our calling and our capabilities. I mean, that's what he does in our lives. He has given you specific gifts. He's given me specific gifts. And he's matched them with our capabilities to make him famous in the world we, we live in. See, God has given every person, I don't care uh, if you've just walked in this room or you just asked Christ to be your savior, you have certain talents and abilities. And here's the sad thing about this. And I've been around church a long time, over 30 years. Here's the sad truth. There's thousands of abilities. There's thousands of people that have, will come across the uh, Journey's parking lot today. And you know what the sad thing is? There's a, a big group of people that will never use their gifts for God. They'll, they'll, never, they'll never tap into the, into the things that God wants them. And ultimately what'll happen is they'll never find true significance. We'll get wrapped up in our jobs and money and putting more stuff on the table. And we'll forget the greatest significance that we get is when we do what the Father in heaven tells us to do. But a lot of people don't see it that way. And we need to understand that just like when Peter Parker was told, with great, with great gift set, with great power, comes great responsibility. Uh, there's a story in the Bible that I've been reading a lot lately. And if you read the story, and I'll give you kind of the, we'll, we'll read the whole story, but I'll tell you, it's about a banquet that these people were invited to. And if you talk to or read through theologian, uh, what theologians say or commentaries, this banquet is talking about two things. It's a banquet that happens here on earth that we're invited, literally we're invited to a banquet to partake in what God has for us. And ultimately, at the end of the day, it's talking about heaven. It's the, it's the great bank, banquet that the bridegroom will, will, will be waiting for his bride. And that's the bride of Christ. That's us. And so I want to look at it on this side of eternity today, not the other side of eternity. And I'm going to break it down in a minute. So Matthew chapter 22, verse 2. The kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a king who prepared a great wedding feast for his son. When the banquet was ready, he sent his servants to notify those who were invited, but they all refused to come. So he sent another servant to tell them the feast has been prepared. The bulls and the fattened cattle have been killed and everything is ready. Come to the banquet. But the guests he had invited ignored them and went their own way. One to his farm, another to his business. Others seized his messengers and insulted them and killed them. The king was furious and he sent out his army to destroy the murders and burn their towns. And he said to his servants, the wedding feast is ready and guests I invite aren't worthy of, of the honor. Now go out into the street corners, and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike, and the banquet hall was filled with guests. But when the king came to meet the guests, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for the wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it that you are without wedding clothes? But, but the man had no reply, didn't even respond to him. 
And then the king said to his, his aides, he said, bind his hands and his feet and throw him in the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth for many are called and few are chosen. Now, if you read that, you just go, oh my God, I don't understand a word of this. So we're gonna break it down. And one of the first things as we peel it back, as we can take that 10,000 foot view that we've got to get, and we're gonna talk about saying yes. That's what Lindsay was talking about. And that's what this passage is talking about. And by saying yes, you ensure you won't miss the purpose of God for your life. When you say yes, you can't, when God calls you to do something, the answer can't be no. If you call him Lord, the answer has to be yes. And in so many times we're just like the people in this story. And there's more than one. This is what I've learned. There's more than one way to miss God's purpose for your life. Somebody needs to say amen. I can screw it up. Somebody else can, I mean, like there's more than one way. There's more than one way to reject, reject Christ. There's more than one way to reject the gospel. And there's more than one way to miss the calling that God has for your life. And that's why we see in this parable is so important. The king issued a decree for them to come to the banquet and they said no. Many of them said no. Now, why do they say no? I think there's three reasons, okay? And I'm not putting any, so I'm gonna say, I'm gonna say this up front. These seem very negative and I see these things happening in the church all the time, unfortunately. And I'm hoping it doesn't happen by and large at our church, but if it does, we need to kind of address it and say, you know something, that's not this, we can't do this. And the very first thing is apathy. One of the reasons that, that they didn't come to the banquet is they just didn't care. They were, they were apathetic. It says, after the king, uh, uh, he said, but the guest in verse five, he had invited, ignored them and went their own way, one to his farm, another to his business. And some of us, some of us in this world, some of us maybe even in this church sitting in these chairs, we have figured it out. Like we, we would rather do this, this, and this than do what God's called us to do. And, and we can miss, literally miss the call of God in our life by, by just being apathetic. Let me give you another one. Hostility. I don't know if you read this the way I read it, but in verse six, it says, others seized his messenger and insulted and killed them just for inviting them to the banquet. Now you go, what is that? Let me tell you what I mean. You know what? We live in a culture that honestly is hostile to people of faith. So a couple years ago, I came down. I don't know if you guys know this, if you ever catch it in my voice. I'm not from here. Um, I'm from a, a little country called New Jersey. We talk different up there. But after 30-something years, I've kind of lost some of my accent. And, but, but we moved down here in 1988 to help start and plant a church. So it was called Augusta Christian Center. It was over in the Grovetown area. And so my parents and uh, about 17 other people came down, and we started this church. Um, we were trying to figure out a way that we can, we can get the name out. And so we, we did a mass, I don't even know if they do things like this, mass mailers. Did anybody, like you can still get, so mass mailers. And it was like, come to this church. It's a great church, blah, 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 and all this stuff. We sent out 15,000 mailers, 15,000. The first Sunday was our opening. One person showed up from those 15,000 mailers. Now, it was a good person. It was my wife. I didn't know her yet. She walked in the door and I was like, what? I immediately bowed a knee. Asked her, no, I didn't do it right then. It was like a week later. But, and, 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 and it's great, and then, Within a couple months, we had about 50 people from those 15,000. That means 14,500 people didn't show up. And you know what the saddest part of that is? Is that we got message after message of me after message of people going, don't send your stupid love. We'll never come that we hate you. We hate your church. We hate Jesus. We hate I'm like, you got to be kidding me. And, and we think and we read things like this about the hostility. It happens in the world we live in right now. So Pat was in here a minute ago. Pat's our our youth pastor does a great job with, with Journey students and his whole entire team. 
but he was invited to go to a thing, and some of you saw it. Um, it was a, a, a faith group that was going to be part of Columbia County. And, and so somebody snapped a picture and put it on Facebook. And we were like, oh, that's so cool. So I ended up going and picture. And I think Beth Purvey from our church was one of the first people that said, man, this is so great that, you know, that, that we're, we're, we're doing that. And somebody else, well, then the next 10,000 were like, there should no, no church and state, separation of church and state. And, and one person literally said, the only reason they're there, now this is all, this is 20 people, 20 pastors of different, you know, like Baptist and Pentecostal and all this stuff. The only reason they were there, this is what they thought. The only reason we were there was to take books out of the school so kids wouldn't read. I'm like, what are you, smoking crack? <laughs> Do you know why we were there? Maybe, maybe some of you in this room didn't agree with us, but you know why we're there? Because we found out over 500 kids in this county go home on Fridays and don't have a meal. We, we found out that hundreds of kids every week are contemplating suicide. We have a spiritual obligation to use our gifts in this school system. We don't have to bring Jesus uh, and, and talk. We bring Jesus every time we walk into the place. When I'm with our, and somebody, some of our, our staff is with our and all in over at Lakeside High School, we can't talk about Jesus, but we bring Jesus in the school every time we go. But you know what I'm finding out? People are, apathetic. People are hostile to that. They don't want any part of that. You know, what, you know what amazes me? It's the epitome of cutting your nose off and spite your face. It's like here, we're there. We were not there to do anything other than say, how can we help the school take care of these kids? That's all we were there for. We didn't come wearing our, our WWJD t-shirts. I didn't have my Bible in one hand and a microphone and a, and a sofa. We went there because we really honestly care about our community, just like you care about our community. But right away, hostile. And, and who knows why? Maybe, maybe some of those people are angry to God because you know what? To be honest with you, maybe they went to church one time and they met somebody that wasn't real friendly at church. Maybe they knew the pastor before he was a Christian. And maybe they know all the things or all the th how he was like, and maybe they can't look at him with any type of respect. Or maybe they read our Facebook posts how churches can't even get along in the city. All those things. And, and so there's this hostility, uh, hostility that, 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 kind of, that kind of wells up. We see it back then, we see it now. Here's nothing. We see indifference. Now, by definition, what indifference means is just don't care anymore. Now, the first two probably don't really relate to anybody in this church, but the third one, I bet you will. There's a lot of us that, that time and maybe even COVID has made us indifferent to the things of God. And, may, and maybe it's changed even the way we do church or do God or do serving or whatever. But we have a spiritual obligation to fulfill what God wants us to fulfill. Verse 11 says, but when the king came in to meet the guest, he noticed a man who wasn't wearing the proper clothes for a wedding. Friend, he asked, how is it you're here without wedding clothes? But the man had no reply. And at first you go, because we read the weeping and gnashing of teeth part, you go, how dare they kick him out because he didn't have any clothes? Like we would never do that at Journey. Like we have one rule at Journey. You know what the rule is? Wear some. That's it. Wear some. Right? But you read this and you go, that wasn't the case at all because you don't understand the culture. The culture, the king would literally give his guest the wedding clothes to wear. And he still didn't want to wear them. He was literally sitting there with his hands crossed going, you're not going to tell me what to do. Tell me that doesn't sound like a lot of what goes on in the world today. How dare you tell me how to live my life? How dare how you, you tell me how to spend my money? How dare you tell how to raise my kids? Exact same thing. 
came to the banquet. He wasn't willing to fully engage. He came to the banquet. He wanted to take part in the feast, but he didn't want to fully commit to the process. And I'm going to say something, and this is going to hurt some feelings. This is how many people in this world today miss out on God's purposes. Anybody ever go to a buffet? (laughs) Some of you won't admit it. You're like, (laughs) (laughs) so when you go down the buffet, you go to, you know, I want a little of this, I want a little of this, I'm going to get me some turnip greens. I I, I may have grew up in New Jersey, but it's black eyed peas, right? Fried pork chop. Somebody say amen. I feel like I, we should be going to Goolsby's for lunch right now. You get all that stuff on there. You get what you want, and at the end, you pay, right? A lot of people think that's the church. I'll get a little bit of this right here. I'll get a little bit of this right here. Uh, let, me, let me explain it this way. Anybody ever been to a hotel? Hotel. You go to a hotel, you go to nice hotels. I try to go to a nice one every once in a while when, my, when, when we have a little extra money. I'll take my wife. They're the ones I like, the ones where you pull up, and they take your bags out of your car, and they put them in that nice little rack. You ever been in one of those? And then they, they hang your stuff up and, you know, they, 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 they take your car. What was it called? Valet. They valet, you know, they take your car and you don't know where it's going. There's probably doing burnouts in the parking lot or something. But, right. So, and then you go in, you walk in and there's somebody, I think, they call concierge and you get there and, and, you, and they're like, Mr. Smith, your room. And they take you up to the room and they open the door. And when they swing the door, it's like the glory of God is in the room. Like, Whoa! it smells clean. Right, and you walk in, and all the stuff is there, and you can see they have Starbucks, Starbucks coffee for you, not 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 Dunkin' Donuts stuff. <laughs> they have Starbucks coffee; it's the good stuff in there, right? And it's free. At this, you know, other, you know, you, it's not that little wet bar thing that you pull out and you have to pay. And then you look at the bed, and on the bed, just beautiful sheets, and they've pulled the bed back for you, and they've turned the towel into a swan right? You know what I'm talking about? And then what do you do? You go to bed that night, you wake up the next morning, you go downstairs and there's this amazing breakfast. Then maybe you go spend the day, maybe you go to Asheville, you go to Biltmore, you come back. When you walk back in the room, what is happened in the room? The room is right back where it was because somebody came in and took care of all the stuff and folded all the, 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 you know, the blankets and they made sure. Some people think that's the church. We walk in the church and we drop our kids off. And we go an hour and five minutes without them kids. (laughs) Mama this morning, mama this morning, first service, come walking down. Say, it's so good to see you. How you doing? Good. The kids are in there and I'm in here and it's quiet. Okay. Right. Then you walk down the ramp and what do you do? You go down because we got great coffee here. It's Dunkin' Donuts, but it's, it's, made by, it's made by you. You make it sweet, Tamika. You make it taste better. <laughs> She's over there going, I'm leaving the church now. I like Dunkin' Donuts coffee. <laughs> it's a story. But you, right? Well, hold on a second. We're not, we're not done. And then you come in here and you hear a message and you laugh a little bit and you go out and you feel good about yourself, right? And you know what? For the majority of people in the majority of the churches, that's it. 
They don't ever use their spiritual gifts. They never figure out where God wants them. They never serve anywhere. They just, they just walk in like it's a hotel and are catered to. And then next week they do the same thing over again. Now, I'm not pointing a finger at anybody because I was like that for a long time, but I can tell you this. If you ever want to find a, 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 your search, you know, significance of any type of major level, you're going to have to use your spiritual gifts for God. That's the only time it ever happens. I've worked hard. I've worked in business before. I've made more money than I make now. And none of that has brought me happiness. It's not until moments like, I literally, Friday night. Now, one of the cool things Friday night, I was sitting there and I mean, I was boo-hooing like a baby. But every time I saw a kid come walking through or a guy walk through, you know, or an adult walking through or they were driving through actually, I looked and I went, oh my gosh, we get to partake. We have a sign back there and I, I share with the team and it says, do you believe we get to do this? We get to do this. Nobody's you know, yanking your arm. We get to do this. And because of the great things that Jesus has done for us, we should want to do this. That's what the gifts are about. That's what's, that's what's so powerful about saying yes. Today, I'm probably not talking to a lot of people of the first two, but I know I'm talking to a lot of people in the third one that sometimes we've just come, we've become complacent with the things of God. And I want to poke the bear today and go, come on. I want to see you. And we say it all the time. It's not what we want from you. It's what we want for you. Because when you use your gifts, I'm telling you, all of heaven opens up and God does amazing things. Let me give you the second thing. The second thing is by saying yes. Now watch this. You stop using the excuse of your past. And I can't tell you how many people that I've dealt with that say, God can never use me because of X, Y, and Z. And they're so far wrong. The call of God to your life is not based on your past. It's not based on what you did last night. It's not based on what you even did this morning. The call of God is irrevocable, the Bible says. It says when he, when he gives you gifts, he doesn't take them back. He's waiting for us to activate those things in our life. He's waiting for us to do those things. And we have to do them. Listen to what it says in verse 9. It says, now go out to the street corners and invite everyone you see. So the servants brought in everyone they could find, good and bad alike. I love that, good and bad alike. And the banquet hall was filled with gifts. When we open our doors, we don't say, hear me on this, please. Only the holy people can come in here. We don't say only the rich people can come in here. We, we don't say only the whatever side of the aisle that you want, want me to be on we don't say only those type of people. You know, the Bible says, come to me all who are heavy burdened and I will give you rest. I used to make this comment all the time. I, I, I was reading a book. I don't know if you've read the book. It's called Fresh Wind, Fresh Fire by um, Jim Cimbala. And he says this, he was asked the question, what's the greatest sin of the church? Think about that for a second. What's the greatest thing? And some would say, well, it's the, you know, it's the, the rampant use of pornography or it's affairs. That's the greatest sin in the church. It's the fact that, that the, the same statistics in the church are the same statistics outside of the church for divorce. That's huge, right? It, it, it could be, you know, the greatest is, is the opulence of church. Whatever it is, whatever you want to call it, what's the greatest sin? And you probably have in your mind, you know, this, this little thing right here going, yep, that's it. And when he says what he says in the book, I was blown away. He said, the greatest sin of the church is the churches stop praying, getting on their knees and praying for the prostitute to come into the church, to the person with AIDS to come in the church, to the single mom that's barely making it, to the person that's homeless. We should be ashamed of ourselves 
that we've stopped praying those type of dangerous prayers, that anybody that needs Jesus can come in this place. At some point, we've got to get to that place where we go, you know something? They're just like us. We were far from God, needing grace. They're far from God, and they're needing grace. Come, all who are heavy burdened, and I will give you rest. And I'll say it. If other places don't want them, we do. Did you hear me? There used to be a time at Journey. It's been probably 10 years ago, right after we moved, probably more than that. We had a lady that was coming to church and I, she sat in the back on when we had Sunday night service. She sat right back there. And one day I walked up to her and I introduced myself. And I said, my name is Bobby Smith. She said, Pastor Bobby, man, this is so good. And she said, I've been coming to church for the last several weeks. And she goes, this is exactly what I need. She said, but I didn't know if you would let people like me come in here. And I said, well, they let people like me come in here. They got to let people like you come in here. And I said, can I ask you a question? What do you mean people like you? And she said, I work in Atlanta and I work as a stripper. And what I do is I come back to Augusta so I can go to church where nobody knows me. And she said, I'm not doing it because it's something, it's a thrill. I'm doing it because it's the only way I can feed my kids right now. And you know the irony of that story? She would sit back there and right next to her was the president of the Medical College of Georgia. And that president of Medical College of Georgia needed Jesus just like she needed Jesus. Church, can we do something? Can we get back to those dangerous prayers where we're praying that those doors are open and if somebody else doesn't want them, they're welcome right here in this place. Please somebody say amen to that. Let me give you the last thing. We'll close right here. By saying yes, go back to the video. Lindsay's talked about it. Yes, you're saying you want God to be in charge of your future. I don't know if you caught this last part and I'm gonna, I'm gonna explain a little bit. So then the king said to the aides, Bind his hands and his feet, throw in the outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Now, I need to explain this because this is, this is not a term that we use a lot, even in the church world anymore. Anybody ever done anything they regretted a whole bunch? Let's try this again. I regret saying Dunkin' Donuts. <laughs> That's my friend. She's my friend. I hope she is. <laughs> so I, it's interesting because there's, and I'm not going to tell you what it was, but there was a time in my life where I did something that I regretted. And I regretted it so much that I almost got out of ministry. And the enemy, right, because the enemy plays games. He played games with me and told me I wasn't worthy and told me that I would never be able to communicate with people, that respect that people had for me was lost and all that kind of stuff. The typical games the enemy plays. And I remember one night sitting there. You ever get to the point where your regret almost gets physical? That's what that's talking about. That weeping and gnashing of teeth is talking about that moment in time in your life where you regret something so bad that you break your teeth. I can't believe how stupid I am. I can't believe I did that again. I can't believe I lied to the enemy. And what I've learned about scripture over a lot of years of reading it, Sometimes it's more about what's not said than what is said in scripture. Like this, without a vision, people perish. What's not written is with a vision, people flourish. People become the best they can be. They reach their 
See, what's not written here is what happens when we fulfill God's purposes in our life. When we fulfill God's purpose, there's this amazing amount of gratitude for God for everything he's done. There's there's this amazing amount of peace. So where we're tense when we don't fulfill the purpose of God, when we do fulfill the purpose, there's this this gratefulness that flows and comes out. There's a joy unspeakable that comes out. And so what it does, when we say yes to God, it ensures without a shadow of a doubt that our future was gonna be led with joy unspeakable, not weeping and gnashing of teeth. I, I believe in this room today, there's some folks that need to say yes, okay? Now, I'm gonna start here. I believe just like the first service, online, down at Sherwood, I believe there's some people that need to say yes to Jesus today. You've never said yes. He's invited you to the table. He's invited you to the banquet. He said, listen, I have a place for you, good or bad. I have a place for this, this place right here. We sang a song about it, that he prepares a table. He's preparing a table. And we haven't crossed that spiritual line. We haven't, we've been invited, but we haven't sat down at the table. And maybe today's the day. And, and you don't have to know all the books of the Bible and you don't have to know Greek and Aramaic. And you don't have to, all you have to know is you have a need for Jesus right now inside of you. There's this gaping hole that you know without a shadow of a doubt, you've tried to fill with everything else. And you're saying, you know something? I'm trying to do it myself. I'm gonna, Jesus is the only one that can do it. Say yes to him today. Can I give you another one? Some of us in this room need to say yes to the past staying the past. That we have allowed the stuff that's in our life to creep back in and creep back in and creep back. And all those those thoughts and all those those misconceptions and all the lies the enemy has, they start creeping back up. And we need to say, you know something? I'm gonna say yes to Jesus. I'm gonna say yes to Jesus in a way that I'm not gonna be living in my past. And some of us in this room, if I can be real honest, need to say yes to the next step, like today. And maybe for you, the next step is, I'm gonna try serving. Or maybe the next step is, I'm I'm gonna take a class or I'm gonna get in a small group, whatever it is. Take that next step today. This morning in our service, uh, first service, we had, I don't know, six or seven signed up for baptism, seven signed up, right? We had seven signed up for baptism. And I love it when this happens. We get through the seven people and it was great and amazing. Everybody's applauding. And then all of a sudden people just poured. Uh, they, they, they realized today was they're, they're, they didn't come prepared, but their next step was baptism. They had to do it. They couldn't leave this place without being baptized. And then the coolest thing happened. The very last, I think he was the last guy, wasn't he? Uh, his name is Jason. Jason's the last guy. Jason comes walking up with tears in his eyes. Jason gives me a big hug. And I said, man, what's going on? He goes, I, I need, I need today. And I baptize him. As I'm baptizing him, Caleb and myself are in, and baptize him. And he comes up out of the water and I remember his story. So in 2008, we moved on to this property. We had the staff and church people come in and we prayed over this building that God would use it to reach people that were far from Christ. People that were in jail, people that were thieves and people that were drug addicts. And we said, well, God, open this. we want to open this place up. And we all wrote names all over this floor back here and a back wall where there was brick. We took the brick off and we wrote names. Jason's name is written on this floor right here. 2008, Jason's name was wrote, wrote, wrote. New Jersey coming out. 
somebody had written his name. As a matter of fact, a lot of you guys know Richard Keller. Richard Keller is one of our hosts that hugs everybody when he comes into the first service. If you've ever come to the first service, it was his grandson. And I did a funeral for his, his mother three weeks ago, a week after he got out of jail. And three weeks later, public profession of his faith. Guys, if you don't want them, I know this, Jesus wants them. We got about 30 chairs open here that people need to be in that are far from Christ. Amen? So maybe today it's your next step is baptism. So this is what we're gonna do. We're all gonna stand up together. And Justin and his amazing team are gonna lead us in a worship song. And I think we have, I don't know, two or three people being baptized in this service. So I'm gonna ask them to come up. So excited about today. But maybe you're here and you, you know something, you didn't even come prepared, but you don't care. We have shirts, we'll give you towels. You know without a shadow of it, you can't leave this place without taking your next step. You know it, you feel inside of you. And so as we're baptizing, as we're singing this song, I'm just gonna encourage you, if you're upstairs, come downstairs. If you're in the atrium, call over. If you're sitting on the floor here, just come on up. You can talk to anybody that's got a red shirt on. That's our host team, our connections team. They'd be, they, they, they want to help you. They, they want you and, and, and want to make sure without a shadow that, that, that you take your next steps. And so if you're here today, we'll, 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 and we'll give it as long as it needs to take or short. Pat, you in the water, brother? Come on. So we're going to be letting a song right now. And what we're going to do is we're going to celebrate. This is a celebration. This is a spiritual event. So when they come out of the water, we're going to applaud and we're going to have a good time and we're going to clap and shout and scream and then we're going to get back to worshiping Jesus. Amen? Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.